You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. One of the amazing things that God is doing in the global prayer movement is bringing cities together in unity around the purpose of prayer. And one of the amazing examples of how God has done this is what he's done in the city of Raleigh, North Carolina. Now for years, he's been bringing hundreds and hundreds of believers together to pray in unity, in concert together. And we have Don Reno on the podcast today, who is the founder of the Raleigh Area Concerts of Prayer. And we're going to explore some of his journey, hear some of the incredible stories and testimonies of what God's done and the impact of prayer in the city of Raleigh. Before we dive in today with Don, just want to welcome anyone that's tuning in for the first time. Thank you for checking us out. The Presence Pioneers podcast exists to equip you to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer because we believe God's presence changes everything. We release new episodes on Thursdays. They're either short little Bible teachings for myself or they're extended interviews and conversations like what we're having today uh, with leaders or teachers in the body of Christ. And so I would love for you to just hit subscribe or follow wherever you are checking us out on whatever platform so that you don't miss an episode and you can track with us from week to week. Also want to invite you to visit our website at presencepioneers.org. We have our entire podcast archive up there, over 90 episodes, and you can search by keyword or by topic, and you can binge watch all of them if you'd like to do that. Uh, I'd also invite you to make a donation up there if you would like to say thanks for the podcast. You can do that. We don't have any ads or sponsors on our podcast. It's totally funded by our generous Presence Pioneers partners, and we so appreciate you who give. Thank you so much. All right. Well, without further ado, Don, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. So uh, great to be here with you and at least online, if not in person. For sure. For sure. Well, our family spent about three or four years in the Raleigh-Durham area where you and I were able to meet up together and have some great conversations and some great meals together. You're one of those people that to me is one of the hidden gems of the prayer movement that's been doing some amazing things that a lot of people may not know about what you've been doing now for years, decades in the Raleigh area. So maybe just give a brief introduction of who you are and some of what you've been doing. Okay. I was actually uh, originally a nuclear chemist, of all things, <laughs> uh, for uh, about 20 years was in that field. But during that time, we had begun what's called the Concerts of Prayer here in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Concerts of Prayer is a very old phrase. It goes back, actually, to Jonathan Edwards and actually back to Scotland. Uh, mm. A pastor named John Erskine was corresponding with Jonathan Edwards and talked about getting people together in the body of Christ, Christians together, to pray across denominational lines, which was a big deal then, even more than it is now. So he began to do that. So over the hundreds of years, literally, since that happened in the 1730s, concerts of prayer have kind of come to the fore different times in our in our history in the country. Uh, we've been in one of those times since probably the 80s. While I was still tinkering with neutrons in the laboratory, <laughs> actually, me and another fellow named Bob Stevens started concerts of prayer, the Raleigh area concerts of prayer became. We had heard each of us, Bob and I, had heard a man named David Bryant speak about concerts of prayer. And he's sort of the modern founder of the, of the modern movement of concerts of prayer and very much my mentor. 
And we had a group of about 30 people in November of 1984. That's 84. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 40 years ago. I was 29 yeah. years old. And I'm 66 now. So a little yeah. bit of time has gone by here. Uh, but we had about 30 people at one church in Raleigh that came together to pray for two things, for revival in the church, and secondly, for the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth, which is right out of Jonathan Edwards' playbook, you know, in the 1730s. Those were the two things that he focused on. So we got together, and we were all excited, and then we had what we call uh, prayer movement growth. We went from 30 to about three. Um, <laughs> You know, but during the time, I was still working, I was working at NC State, actually, in the nuclear engineering department, and I, during the lunch hour, I would go over to the library, and they had the complete works of Jonathan Edwards there. And so I would read, especially about his stuff about revival and prayer, and I read a little booklet on revival that he wrote as part of his, it's in his works of Jonathan Edwards, and in there he said, pray for seven years in monthly concerts of prayer, yeah. pray for seven years, and then see if God would have you continue. <laughs> so in our day of instant getting it done quick, this is very unusual. Yeah. But I felt the Lord prompted me to say, if you'll be faithful, no matter how many people come, if you'll be faithful in meeting every month and praying, in due time, I will bring the increase to the prayer movement. Mm. But you have to be faithful. So I, I did, and, and there's many months, there were only three or four of us. This went on for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, then one day, uh, Bob Stevens and I, David Bryant, had been doing prayer rallies in cities, and uh, we invited him to come. This was 1987. Okay. And we went around to pastors. Raleigh had never had anything like this before. And we went around, literally met with them in person, Bob and I did and asked them if they would be a part of it, be a part of the prayer team that night. This was going to be at Daniel's Middle School Auditorium. And if um, they'd bring their people. And we especially reached out to African-American pastors. Mm. And I think, as I recall, and I, have my, I was keeping a journal then, I could go back and look, but I think it, we had about 12 to 14 pastors on the prayer team, along with David, uh, that night. But what was so electrifying was, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this is the first time in Raleigh's history, we had a significant blend of African-American and white Christians praying together. Mm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that just didn't happen. It hadn't yeah. happened before. Nobody that was old remembered it. And, you know, if you go back in time, it's certain it didn't happen. So we were very excited about that. God had ignited something that was really special. And the, the churches that participated began to say, we would like to have one of the monthly concerts of prayer at our church. So we began to sort of do a circuit around the city with monthly concerts of prayer and every year have a prayer rally. And this went on. We did one in 88. We did one, another one in 89. And then we were at this, the old Raleigh Civic Center. Mm. Yeah, I think we were, we were getting around... 1,000, 1,200 people, 50, 60 churches probably. And we just kept on going. Right after the prayer rally in, in 1990, David Bryant was leading us in that. And he took me for a walk afterwards. It was about 11 o'clock at night. 
used to be Fayetteville Street Mall. It's now a street again, but it was back then it was a walking mall. Mm-hmm. And we were walking, talking about the prayer rally. And I thought it went great. We had 35 pastors on the prayer team. We had 1,200 people or so, 1,500, I forget, you know, from yeah. a lot of churches, maybe close to 100 churches. Mm. But David pointed out, he says, you know, something I hadn't thought about. He said, you know, Don, I don't know how you've gotten it this far without the pastors being on board. And I, I remember being very puzzled by that remark. I said, well, David, we have 35 pastors here. He said, yeah, I know. He said, they're there to support you, but they need to be leading the charge more. He said, I want you to spend more time working with the pastors. So that's when we began these pastor prayer summits, which were three-day times of prayer and worship for pastors. Mm. I had gone out to the Northwest in 1990. David Bryant used to have prayer leaders out there, sort of a forerunner of the National Prayer Committee Mm. uh, as it's constructed today. But out there, we heard from a man named Joe Aldridge, who's gone to be with the Lord now. He was the president of Multnomah College, and he had a real burden for the fracture in the church in Salem, Oregon, where he was. Pastors that there were church splits, pastors weren't talking to each other. And he figured that if he could get them together with no agenda for three or four days, but just the only agenda is to seek the Lord Jesus, to worship him, to pray. And he did that. And long story short, it triggered revival in that whole region. Wow. Oregon, Washington State, some of Idaho. This was in the uh, early 90s. Yeah. And I was electrified when I heard about the practice of prayer summit. So David had talked to me just before that. So we went back and we put that into place. Only problem was I couldn't at first convince the pastors to go away for three days. Right. It was a very foreign, you know, they're busy. It's a long time, yeah. That just didn't resonate with them. So I said, well, how about we just do one day? Uh, we'll go eight to five and have lunch in there, you know. So we went to a New Hope camp in Hillsboro, and we got done that day. Had a lot of worship together, a lot of prayer together. I, I had them break up into small groups and share their hearts with one another, which is still something we do today because pastors need a safe place to share where they're struggling. And wow, we came away, and several of them said, you know, I think we ought to do this for three days. I said, that's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> so we've done that ever since, except we've missed with COVID. Sure. For the yeah. first time ever, we missed. Uh, so this is amazing. So you were 29 years old. You gathered. Yeah, I'm older, a little older now. I'm in- sure, but this is when you're in your 20s, then in your 30s, mm-hmm. you're gathering some people together, went down to three or four people. For a number of years, you're being faithful as a young adult, gathering in prayer with three or four other people, inspired somewhat by Jonathan Edwards that go seven years and then look back and see how it's going, if you need to continue or not. And then within a number of years, then you're doing these prayer rallies where you're having over a thousand people, 30 plus pastors on stage praying together. This is this is incredible. I, I want to highlight that because a lot of times we don't recognize the power of small beginnings and faithfulness in prayer, even with even with a few people. And I think it's important to recognize that that before you bring the whole city together, 
you might have to pray with three or four mm-hmm. <laughs> for some years, right? Mm-hmm. right? And be faithful in those seasons. Yeah. It's like sowing seeds, Matthew. I mean, I, probably the most outstanding lesson I have learned through all of this, of all the things God's taught me, is God honors faithfulness, mm. even more than gifting. Because, you know, as I sort of look at myself, I'm a pretty ordinary guy, really. I really am. I don't just say that to be self-effacing. I, I, am, a, I am not a seminary degreed, you know, high-powered guy. You know, I, I come at this as a, more as a servant, which mm. has been good for pastors because I'm not a threat to them, you know. But, yeah, the f- faithfulness. God honors faithfulness and patience. Mm. It's a good word, especially for those who are hungry and anxious and full of dreams and ideas in their heart. They want to see transformation. Be faithful. Be patient. That's a good word. (laughs) Let me ask you this before we move on with the story. How did you know that God wanted you to do this? Because there's some people that maybe Mm. they've got something brewing in their heart, but they're not totally sure. Is this this really what God wants me to do Mm -hmm. or not? Yeah. Two two things I'll tell you. Before... Uh, we moved to North Carolina. My wife is from North Carolina. I'm from upstate New York, actually, originally. But we were living in the Chicago area, in Wheaton, which is uh, west of Chicago. And David Bryant, who I had I had no idea who he was then. This yeah. is five years before we start the Concerts of Prayer in Raleigh. But this is a little bit like the preview of coming attractions. You know, you go to a movie and they have the previews, you know. <laughs> he came to our church. He was in Madison, Wisconsin. He was still with InterVarsity at that time. And he came down and preached at our church about concerts of prayer and revival. And I had been a Christian only a very short time, maybe a year. I, was, I became a Christian at age 23 so I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> uh, but God planted that. I didn't forget it. It was yeah. just sort of an odd thing that I didn't quite understand and thought about some. And then so five years later, Bob Stevens, the other guy who started Concerts of Prayer here in Raleigh with me, called me on the phone. We were going to the same church. And he asked me, do you want to, we're starting a concert of prayer Do you want to be a part of that? And that was like God's invitation. I said, oh, wow. I had grown enough to understand more what it was. But there it was. God planted the seed early. And then five years later. The other thing I'll say, now this is a little later, is that now pastors, we've been praying in prayer summits every year. We get up to 1996. And the pastors came up to me. They had been talking. I didn't know that they had been. Because I'm, I'm still a nuclear chemist, you know, right. by day, you know. And they said, Don, we think that the Lord would have you do concerts of prayer full time. And and we're going to pray for you right now. And so they, they got around and prayed for me. probably 40 pastors, 50, I don't know. I don't remember. And I thought, Wow. What was that that just blew through here? <laughs> so I went home and told Cindy. Cindy and I were puzzled. She's like, well, how, would, what would, how would that look? What would that look like? I said, honey, I don't I really know what that would look like. I'm just saying they prayed for me. Yeah. So a month later, to the day actually, a month later, unexpectedly I got laid off. Wow. And I thought, wow, okay, Lord, you, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I remember it was the night our church was having a fellowship dinner, and I was late because I was cleaning out my office and all. Mm. 
And I had this big smile on my face. And Cindy said, what happened to you? I said, honey, I got laid off. <laughs> and you're so happy. I was, I was very happy. God had been preparing me. I, I, you know, I had right. become unhappy in my work there. And, yeah. and there was an able-bodied person who I had trained that could take my place, you know, so it was, it was a good time to leave. Uh, but that gave me full time. And then we could start to do all kinds of things. We had something for many years called Pastors for Awakening and Reconciliation, which David Horner at Providence Baptist, who's fairly recently retired after 40 years or so, he and a black pastor named Garland Hunt, who's now down in Georgia, started this together. And I helped sort of administrate it some. Pastors coming together, especially across racial lines to, to pray together and to, to minister together. I had bus trips. We called them prayer journeys. I take them around pastors and other intercessors together. We go around Raleigh, especially downtown. We'd have a policeman with us, not for our protection, but to tell us where to pray. Mm-hmm. So we'd come along. He'd say, stop and pray here. This is an area of a lot of drugs or crime or whatever. And we'd get out and pray. We'd pray where there were homeless people. I remember praying, it's funny, because I don't know if you've been back, Massey, to see how they've changed more square in Raleigh. It's this beautiful oh, park today. It's but amazing. back then, it was uh, it was just a woodsy area that a lot of homeless gathered. And we had mm-hmm. a major time of prayer there. We got out of the bus. Pastors were crying, you know, because they avoided downtown, you know. So yeah. there was a, we've done that. Several times we thought we've done the same thing with schools as well, where we went around and prayed for different schools. We've done what we call prayer on wheels, which is bicycle. Uh, there's okay. there's people. That's a whole different group. Yeah, people that like to cycle and want to pray. <laughs> and believe me, it works great. We we take a uh, about a thirty mile Saturday around Raleigh, and we stop at six or seven different places and pray. And we usually have somebody meet us there praying in a hospital. We'll have a Christian doctor or nurse meet us there. If we're praying in a school, we'll have a Christian principal or teacher meet us there and help us know how to pray. So, you know, we began to be very creative about different things that we can do. And and that's been, been good uh, all the way through to see the different facets of the way you can bring together people to pray. I love those ideas. Great, great ideas. So since 96, you've been doing Raleigh concerts of prayer full time. You're able to do all these added prayer initiatives. And we haven't quite gotten out of the 90s yet. I mean, what's happened the last 20 years? I mean, this is this has continued. You guys have, mm-hmm. have continued to host. I mean, just kind of give us a sense of the scope of what's happened over the years. You know, how many years have you guys been doing this? How many people are being touched? For a while, we stopped doing prayer rallies. Okay. The Lord just said, put it on pause. People are kind of taking it for granted a little bit, which happens sometimes with things you do repeatedly. But I really got the green light from the Lord uh, more recently, I guess probably close to 10 years ago. I started them up again. And, you know, these were always at the old Civic Center, but that was gone. So we started doing more auditorium. And the way we do that, it's very organic. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, 
please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. In a sense, it's not... It's not done with social media. <laughs> I remember you saying that. I said, that's amazing. You didn't do that with social media. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do is we have, in each church, we have a coordinator. See, one of the purposes of this is not just to have a night of prayer, but to build prayer back into the local church. Yeah, I love that. So we, we have a coordinator from each church. And we, we've been getting, you know, at these 120, 130-something churches. So it's a lot of coordinators, but they're the ones who go recruit people to come to the prayer rally. And in a sense, they're building their prayer ministry. Now, some churches have prayer ministries, but a lot of churches still don't. Yeah, The African-American churches are on top of it. They, <laughs> they've got prayer ministries, almost all of them. But even wow. they would like to see more people in them. You know? So this is, this is right. helpful to them. But, but we just have a, a wonderful night of prayer. We've done that. Again, COVID's knocked that out for for the time being, but hopefully back again. I had really sort of hoped we'd be back, in, because it's always done in the fall, that we'd be back in the fall. But here we are coming in fall, and we're not yeah. going to be able to do it. So maybe next year. Wow. So you have 120 to 130 churches. Yeah. You have a prayer coordinator from every church, and they're recruiting people to come together. And then that means you have 10 or so, 10, 20 people from every church, which means you have 1,000, 2,000 people coming together. Yeah, a couple thousand. Pray. Yeah. The uh, Memorial Auditorium holds, I think, 2,100-something. Yeah. Now, at first, this was sort of like a patchwork quilt, Matthew. So churches sat together. You know, They, they told us how many seats they would get. Mm. And that was good. But we said, you know, we want the people to get to know each other and have a broader prayer experience with people from other churches. So we began to mix them. At first, we took two churches and mixed them in seats. Yeah. And the last time I was really going crazy, I was <laughs> putting like every other seat, you know, and when they turn around, it's somebody from another church. It took a long time to figure out. But but anyway, <laughs> that's been really good. And it's a real bright spot because it's usually at least half people of color. So it's a good blend that you, you, you long for. One thing we've been doing, speaking of things across racial lines, uh, 
we've done, I think we've done four of these retreats for men from primarily Anglo churches and African-American churches. And we come together in about equal mixture. And a lot of it is prayer and worship. Uh, we open the scriptures together as well. We have somebody that does that. But wow, that's just been a great relationship building. It's one of those things I only have done maybe four of those. I'm like, why didn't I think of this 30 <laughs> years ago? Yeah. But yeah, I'm that's glad awesome. we're doing that now. Yeah. It's so awesome. Anybody that's ever tried to bring together churches for anything <laughs> understands the miracle, really, of what, what has been experienced in Raleigh. I mean, it, it's challenging to get people to pray, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's challenging to get people, churches, to come together for anything. Mm-hmm. So put those two things together, trying to get people to pray. Number two, trying to get people to come together in unity. And uh, to see what God's done there in Raleigh is just a testimony to the grace of God. It's, it's really amazing. It's given churches an opportunity to to learn about one another and to begin to work together. So there's been a lot of church partnerships, starting with the pastors often, getting to know each yeah. other, and, and then continuing on. So they're doing ministry together, which is great. Yeah. I mean, give us a little glimpse behind the scenes. Has there been some challenges to doing that, to bringing everybody together? You have mm-hmm. cultures clashing and different theology and different things like that. I mean, have you have you had to deal with some of that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I know with the with the pastor summits, we've always tried to be very careful to major on the major. Yeah, you know, we all believe in the deity of Jesus. You know, with the atoning blood of Christ. You know, the big stuff. You know, yeah. If we wanted to get down to specific theologies, yeah, we would differ. But we are just so saturated with the Lord Jesus together that mm-hmm. it's beautiful. You know. So we, we try to be careful not to push a particular branch of theology in that sense. Same with the same with the prayer rallies and anything like that. And a group that size, when you get 2,000 people together, there's lots of ways you could differ. You, so you have to make sure that your agenda is to seek the Lord together and have an experience with the Lord. Because, you know, politically you'll differ, culturally you differ, you know, yeah. lots of different ways. But the honest truth is, the big stuff is the important stuff, you know, Jesus yeah. and him crucified. That's what we're all going to celebrate together in heaven. Uh, you know, so why not now? Yes. Amen. So what, what, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to ask what some of the struggles have been, you know, in, in trying to bring people together. Not not because we want to celebrate the struggles, but sometimes it can be yeah, uh, encouraging to others that are laboring and working to know that, you know, there mm-hmm. are struggles. Obviously, you shared the fact that three or four people were showing up for a long time. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah, just that that whole initial inertia is always difficult. I think one sad thing for me over the years is that some people left the prayer movement too soon and didn't really experience what God did later because they kind of got discouraged. Mm. You know, so... You know, you have to keep your eye on the Lord or you get discouraged because people get discouraged and leave, you know. You just have to believe God's in it and and follow him. But, yeah, it's not for people who want things to happen fast. To lead a movement like this, you've got to be somebody that just has a patient personality. 
and an optimistic personality, you know, <laughs> optimistic yeah. in the Lord, not in yourself, you know. Right. So, you know, that's that's been hard at times. So much recently, it's more in the early days, I think. Right. It, just, it wasn't apparent in the early days that it was moving for a lot of people. You know? And they just moved on to other other things of ministry. Yeah, they were yeah. doing good ministry in the church. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that, giving us a little bit of uh, behind the scenes there, sharing your heart. I appreciate that. Well, how about some of the positive? What, in your mind, when you look back over you know, the last 30 30 years or so, what has been some of the fruit and the testimonies and, and the things that, that you, you see that God's done as an answer to you, your prayers and some of the efforts you've been doing there? Yeah, well, I think for a while, you know, I, as I was moving into my 60s, I was like, you know, Lord, I don't see a lot of young people coming up, and now I do, mm. or including you, Matthew. But I mean, you just, you know, there was a period there where there just wasn't anybody that wanted to be mentored or wanted to even think about prayer and, and worship. And now there's just lots of folks. And I rejoice mm. in that. Yeah. You know? And I think your generation is taking that baton and it won't look necessarily like Raleigh area concerts of prayer. And it doesn't need to, you know, it needs to be contextual to your generation. But, you know, it's been great to, you know, I'm, I'm still active, so it's been great to sort of walk, you know, while you're passing the baton, you're together for a, a period in the race, you know. And it's, it's been great to uh, be with people like you and Josh Splinter and Nico Peel and Sam Blinson, you know, and just to see, wow, God's got a whole group of people that are excited about prayer and worship. That's been a, probably the most hopeful sign for me, you know, in these in these last five to eight years. It's encouraging. Very encouraging. And I I would say, obviously the unity, the sense of connectedness, I'm sure that Mm -hmm. there's probably been relationships built among pastors, especially and and leaders, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's been an honor to be as accepted as I've been in the African American churches. Uh, You know, I could almost weep sometimes with just having that, that trust and that honor from the very beginning, you know, the pastors, they were at our first prayer rally. There was a couple of African-American pastors, one of whom's still living. And I remember asking much, many, many years later, I said, what made you trust us? You didn't know us. Yeah. And he said, Don, you just seem sincere. You know, and I, so I rejoice that the Lord has given us, I have some very precious, many precious relationships in the African-American churches that I prize, you know, highly and are grateful for and in general just to serve pastors as well as the whole church has been an honor for me i always wanted to be a chemist i didn't know anything that i'd be doing anything <laughs> different you know before yeah. moved me. so it's, it's been an honor to be a part of that yeah god has you god has the chemist doing prayer i love it yeah <laughs> somehow they relate i can't <laughs> There is a critical mass thing there, but hey, there you go. (laughs) Let me ask you this: for that emerging generation you were talking about a minute ago, uh, you know, that's a lot of who tunes into to our podcast here is young worshipers, intercessors, leaders, those that maybe aren't leaders yet but want to be. They've got some things stirring in their hearts. They want to see God use them in powerful ways. What advice do you have? What wisdom would you want to share with with you know, 
mm-hmm. some of the emerging generation that's hungry for God and uh, and wanting to see you know their city, their campuses, their nations transformed. I would say look for a mentor that's older mm. because there's still there's still a lot to learn. You know, David Bryant has mentored me when I was young and still is a mentor to me. Anytime we're together, you know, very much that relationship and a lot that I came upon came through him in some way or not. So look for a mentor. That's good. You know, really find somebody that has a heart for prayer or for worship that's older, that's that's been there and done it. And the second thing I would say is you will be tested. You know, your your commitment will be tested. It may be five or ten years down. I think for the really young people, uh, you have to find out how do you transition through life with your commitment to this. Because it looks different mm-hmm. when you're single than when you get married. You know, you're dealing with family differently, and you've got, you got a commitment to the ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when you have kids, it looks different again. And when they leave, you know, so there's, there's a lot of adjustments that are going on in your life. So how does it, how does that look like when you get older? Yeah, you know, because I think I had a lot more time when I was young. I have a lot more time again now because I'm older, and you know, yeah. it's just Cindy and I at home now. But uh, you know, there was a time when it's it's a challenge, you know. So yeah. you have to kind of think about okay, and how does it look like as my generation ages? Your enthusiasm could wear off. So I, I just say that because I. Again, I saw a lot of people early on when I was younger who were very enthusiastic, but when things didn't happen as quickly, this is where patience comes in, they, they kind of drew away. You know, those are, those are sort of warning signs that, you know, you, you'll be tested, you know. Yeah. Uh, God wants to really know you're patient and you trust him and you'll wait on his timing. But, you know, I think God uses that enthusiasm too. Uh, in a way, we could have used some of your enthusiasm your generation has when I was younger. You know, it was a harder sell for us. You know, right. I, right. I think you guys, as a whole, your generation is more prone toward worship than we were. You know, mm. and that's a that's a strength. So, but since mm. it's it's largely right now in a younger demographic, those are things to think about. Okay, what does this look like? Let's say if, if you're ministering on a campus. What does that look like when I get older? How, how do I connect with the church? You know, how does my ministry connect with the local church? How does it connect with leadership in the city, pastors especially, but maybe others as well? But get the mentor too. I think that's yeah, it's been important for me. Yeah, really, really great wisdom. And you, and there's been all kinds of wisdom you've shared throughout this episode as well. Hopefully, people are are paying attention to some of the things that that's been dropped in the middle of this conversation. It's all really good. Thank you for that, uh, Don. Uh, one other question is, is there, is there any scripture that's like really motivated you? Like how has the word of God fueled what, what you're doing? You know, there's a, there's a curious passage in um, Zechariah chapter 8 that I came upon early reading Jonathan Edwards because it was the, it was the igniting passage for Jonathan Edwards. I don't have my Bible in front of me, but it's like chapter 8, 20 through 22, I think, mm. where it talks about many people will come from many places, uh, you know, to worship God. And, and people will say, come, let us seek the Lord together. I am going. 
And that just describes so vividly a movement of prayer because it, it ends up with people from the nations, you know, laying a hold of the, the robe of a Jew and saying, we want to go with you because we've heard God's with you. You know, so it has that evangelistic component to it as well as the, as the seeking and the prayer and the worship. But yeah, what a vivid passage that became. And that the whole personal commitment it actually says, I'm, you know, come, come and join me, but yeah. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going, you know, and so I, that really has stuck with me all these many years. All these yeah. Many years. So with COVID now, we've been, like everybody else, we've been somewhat hampered. Uh, you know, we're not able to do a citywide prayer rally since COVID or a pastor's prayer summit, so, which we had done most, almost 30 years sequentially, mm. I think, you know, so that was a big deal. Uh, one thing we started, though, is Prairie County Prayer Walking Project, which we got a, a young man from our church that put a, made an online map out of it so that every street that gets prayer walk gets highlighted in color for the whole county, Wake County. And we've just really been into that for some months now. But, boy, that's exciting. I've been, I've been enjoying it. I live in Cary, and I've, made, I've got a nice colored footprint on the map where I've been prayer walking, and we're trying to get more yeah. people to consider doing that because a lot of people are out walking now. Yeah, We can't all get together in one place, but we can pray for our county. And, boy, there's just something, Matthew, about walking through a neighborhood and mm-hmm. praying for people in their houses, seeing people out there praying for them. gives you a mm-hmm. whole heart, whole new heart for people. I believe it could be a great tool yeah. to see the city really change spiritually. So we're okay. we're going to stay on that. That's yeah. great. Yeah, we did a uh, we did an episode with a guy named Kurt Wilson uh, from St. Louis who's mm-hmm. doing a movement called Pray for the Lou, and they their emphasis is prayer walking there in St. Louis, and uh, it just had some amazing testimonies of the church coming together. Yeah, yeah. there's some great tools out there. I mean, uh, the tool that. This brother put together for us, you know, when you do your walk, you can go online and type in. You can actually do it when you're walking on your phone. You just type in the street, and it automatically dumps into the map and highlights it. Oh, that's cool. It keeps yeah. track of the miles, prayer walked, and the number of prayer walkers and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Don, this has been great. I think uh, it's going to be su- super encouraging and helpful to all of the presence pioneers tuning in any last words of encouragement that you'd like to share here? Well, you know, I, I'm sort of looking back on almost 40 years. I have seen God do so much, probably more than I could have imagined. So for people who are in the earlier stages of things, God is getting ready. I think to do some great things. I had hoped in doing this that, it was sort of our generation that would really receive the revival. But I think, Matthew, it's your generation. Mm. And I think a lot of what we've been doing is in preparation for an outpouring of God's Spirit. And uh, and I think the prayer and the worship movement both. And those things are like two twins that go together. Prayer and worship. You know, I, I think those movements are going to lead to something really major. You know, we're seeing things that your generation is doing. We never got to do, you know, tense, continuous <laughs> prayer, 24-7 stuff, you know. Yeah. We didn't even dream of that. 
So yeah. I believe some great things are coming. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Don. This has been great. Absolutely. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you enjoyed it, would you please share it with somebody? Post it on social media. Let people know about this resource to encourage them and strengthen them. If you're not yet following or subscribing, please hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app or on YouTube. Again, you can always go to our website at presencepioneers.org and subscribe via email there as well. If you're on YouTube, could you give us that little thumbs up? Maybe leave us a comment. If you're tuning in on Apple, which I know most of you are, the Apple Podcast app, could you leave us a rating or a review? All of that helps get credibility to our podcast and reach more people with the good news that God's presence changes everything. Thanks, guys.